Legacy Door, Episode 2.3, Feeling. Vanessa Dorn, 3.06 p.m. Vanessa racked through her memories of her recent family visit. She couldn't recall anyone mentioning Kevin going anywhere. Weird, she said. When did you last see him? Uh, right after the party... He and me and Julia helped put some of the lawn furniture back in the shed and then got out of the way while the caterers cleaned up. We all went to our rooms to get changed. I watched a movie with Jules and she went to see him before bed. Vanessa felt a twinge of guilt for how little attention she'd paid to her semi-siblings during that weekend, especially since she'd spent a good portion of their few interactions lying to everyone and playing a role. Do you know if she really did see him last night? No, I don't. The question didn't even occur to me, and we didn't really talk this morning. I missed early breakfast, then managed to push myself out of bed to say goodbye, and when I got to the front door around seven, a car was out front. Mom was impatient to leave, and Julia was back near the garage, having some kind of confrontation with Will Riley and someone... She paused for a moment. The mention of Julia's scene had visibly shocked Dan. Since he didn't take the opportunity to interrupt, however... Vanessa finished her narrative. Then she ran out, we hugged, she grabbed her suitcase, and they were gone. His expression remained, but he still said nothing. What? Did you hear the other person she was talking to? Just a little. Not enough to make out what he was saying. It was someone older. Could it have been Frank? As he said the name, the barely audible cadences snapped into place. Now that you mention it, yes. Her self-disappointment deepened. Her sleepy mind had been on her dad, and on the upcoming interrogations of Justin Brandt and Dan, not on things happening just outside her range of vision. But now, it looked like she'd missed a significant event, one Dan somehow knew about even though it happened hours before he arrived. Jesus. What's wrong? The crazy part is getting crazier. A panicked look came over his face that she remembered from their childhood, when something reminded him of the nightmares they never talked about. It must be, she said, looking behind herself to confirm the absence of onlookers, then back at him. You look like a crazy person. We should get out of here. You have a car? He nodded dumbly. Lead the way. He stood up and walked like a sleepwalker, or like someone in a dream. Following him and looking ahead, she recognized the silver car that had been parked in the driveway earlier. He unlocked the doors with a key fob on a heavy plastic ring bearing the tag of a rental car company. She opened the passenger door and picked up the sports jacket he'd left on the passenger seat. It was warm from the trapped solar heat, and touching it felt strangely intimate. She threw the jacket into the back, hoping to toss the feeling away with it. He got in and started the engine. She focused on directing him to the one-way street which led to the diagonal that fronted her motel. He parked the car in the spot below her room, and then they sat for a long moment, her mind aching with curiosity, but wanting to give him a moment to compose himself. I'm not sure I can do it, Dan said, facing the steering wheel. I want to tell you what I'm thinking, but I can't take myself seriously when I hear it in my head. He turned to face her, but didn't meet her eyes. It's ridiculous. There's no way I can say it in front of you. You'd laugh. You'd be right to laugh. Listen, I know how I can be. I was that way to a friend a couple days ago, and she... She was cut off by a sniffle, 
and realized she couldn't do it either. Not there, not like that. Come up, she said, and got out. She'd closed the car door and walked the fifteen feet to the foot of the metal stairs before she turned back to look. He was moving slowly, only just closing his own door. His eyes went to her, then up the stairs to the motel's second-level balcony, and his lost look turned into a disbelieving smirk. Let's go! You know, this is starting to look like a different version of you trying to sweet-talk me this morning. She wanted to slap him, but realized he had a point. That was different. Yeah, I turned on the charm and I wasn't being straight with you, but that's because I had given up on having someone to share this with. Now that we're in it together, anything I say or do will be for real. And anyway, don't get ahead of yourself. I'm inviting you up mostly because I don't want to talk this thing out in a parking lot. Part of her regretted throwing the mostly in there. Another part was glad she did. He nodded and finally stepped forward, his eyes looking trusting and amused. Yeah, that makes sense. But if the family could see us now, wouldn't they be surprised? Maybe, maybe not, she answered as they started climbing the stairs, her a half-step ahead. She felt an urge to take his hand, but didn't want to do anything new while he was still moving forward. She feared that the smallest thing might break the spell of amity between them and mess this up. The frank exchange of views with this person she knew so well and yet so little about was giving her notions well beyond her words, but she could see many ways that things might not go the way she wanted them to. She unlocked and opened her door, let him in, closed it, and assessed the room with new eyes. Bed, a single wooden chair with a thin attached cushion, a bedside table with clock and tearaway stationery, a lampstand that doubled as a tiny second table, and below it all, incredibly cheap and coarse carpet. It was clean, and for all she knew, safe, but it was infinitely less inviting than Abby's room had been. If she ever did have a maid whose family was visiting, she resolved to put them up somewhere better. Okay, she thought, down to business. You sit there, she said, indicating the bed. She turned the chair towards it and sat down. Dan did as instructed. She noticed the mattress compressing under his body, but tried to keep her eyes on the trouble returning to his face. She decided that, having brought him there, she should be the one to start. Okay. Uh, like I was saying, there was this girl, Abigail Strauss. Did you know her? I don't think so. I've known her most of my life. She came to me with a crazy story and asked for help. I... I didn't believe her. Dan craned forward. She'd had so little breath that her words had barely been audible. He was focused on her, concerned. She liked that. The words were still hard to say, but she forced herself to continue. She told me that her parents and Uncle Frank and other people were involved in something. And she tried to tell me more, but I... I laughed at her. And the next day, her father killed her. Vanessa's chest began to convulse with sobs. Dan reached a hand towards her and she slapped it away. If he touched her, she knew she would lose it. Sorry. No, I... I'm sorry. Something serious is finally happening and I'm too much of a freak to let anyone near me. Then it's okay. I mean, it might not be okay at all. 
but it's okay for you to trust me. And it's okay for you to be you. Why? Because I like you how you are. He smiled shyly. She looked at the crinkle at the corner of his eye, and her pulse quickened. She could feel it happening again, eleven years later. All the tension in her muscles was dissolving into molten excitement. She spoke quickly. Be careful. If you say nice things to me right now, something's going to happen. Don't start anything you can't handle. (sighs) Having finally said what was on her mind, she could no longer speak. And she couldn't move, either. She looked down at the cheap carpet. She wished he would do something helpful for once, in one direction or the other, to make this a little easier for her. She felt his hand on her cheek, wiping up a tear she hadn't known was there. His fingers felt strong, warm, and dry. She looked at him again. He was on the edge of the bed. He had leaned forward rather than getting up, so their heads were still on the same level. You should probably hate me. I did. A lot of the time. I think that makes it less weird to like you so much now. She closed her eyes, regaining her mental balance. Yeah, we were pretty terrible cousins. Maybe we'll be better. There were warm, soft, firm lips on hers. She surprised herself by not flinching. Maybe if she'd had another moment to calm down and think, she would have, but her body was still calling out for contact, and thrilled to have gotten it regardless of what her head thought about it. Mm. She hummed into the mouth that kissed her. The mouth somehow communicated both the stability she lacked and a need that matched her own. She wrapped her arms around the head attached to the mouth, and she could tell without looking that it was Dan's. So much like eleven years ago, except this time she wasn't trying to crush it with her embrace, just to feel the shape and solidity. He touched her shoulders with his hands and urged her towards him. Makes sense, she thought. He's probably bent at a pretty awkward angle, poor thing. She smiled and moved forward, still not opening her eyes. She wasn't ready for this to be real. It was just a wonderful daydream she was having. She kept up her momentum and was on the bed, her knees on either side of his hips, he sitting up, head tilted slightly upward, as she, straddling but not sitting, kissed downward. His left hand was holding her lower back, his right the upper, all very nice and snug, quieting her anxieties, until his mouth twitched with a giggle. She ended the kiss, pulled her head back, and opened her eyes. He was grinning. What? I was just trying to get you to lean forward, he said, nodding back at the empty chair. I wasn't expecting this. I move pretty fast. I remember, he replied, his right hand traveling up the back of her neck. Come here. She leaned back for a moment. One question. His eyes became serious again. What? Who is Joyce, really? Oh, of course. She's my best friend's girlfriend, and my ex-girlfriend's best friend. Vanessa smiled at his eagerness to explain. Sounds a little incestuous. Dan snorted. Maybe we should steer clear of that word for a bit. She could still feel his fingers on her neck. She kissed you pretty well for a friend. I guess she did that in order to drum up interest in me. Vanessa giggled despite herself. 
I guess it worked. They remained still for a moment, then she let him guide her head down to his, where he kissed her again, the warm sensation of his mouth sending new thrills throughout her body. She felt a very soft, brief probe from his tongue, and parted her lips to share her hot breath and whatever else of her he wanted to have. The tips of their tongues lightly touched, but their lips did most of the work. All of her clothing now felt like an encumbrance, but she wasn't ready to expose herself. She leaned forward and he toppled backward, laughing into her mouth, and then relaxing his legs so that he was lying back with his feet on the floor. She enjoyed another kiss with their chests pressed together, then rolled off of him onto her right side. She pulled her head back, but his moved forward to close the distance so they would keep kissing. While enjoying this, she continued her movement, sliding her left hand down his taut, shirt-covered torso. She came up for air, then pushed against him and the bed, moving herself up and back into a cross-legged pose. She started briskly unbuttoning her shirt from the top. Dan helped her, starting from the bottom. So this is really happening? Uh-huh, she answered, her fingers meeting his about two-thirds of the way down and grasping them. Yeah, I know it's crazy when we have so much to talk about, but my head'll be clearer. She kissed his hands, then released them. Dan cackled, sat up, and kicked off his shoes while she did the same. <laughs> I, I hate to say this, he said, but it sometimes has the opposite effect on me. I'll take the risk, said Vanessa as she removed her shirt, gave it a quick fold, and tossed it towards the corner of the room. Dan took the moment to grab her sides with his hands and dipped his head forward to kiss the tops of her breasts just above her bra. She threw her head back from the fun of it and ran her hand over the short hair on the back of his head. Nice and fluffy, but not much to grab onto. She gave the top of his head a kiss. He straightened up and looked her in the face again. Yeah, I got a new haircut for my new job. But you'll find something. She cackled back and kissed him on the lips. There were many things she wanted to do all at once. This is crazy. Hey, I'm attending to serious business here. Uh, okay, but I should have told you, I always ruin the moment. Not this moment. He chuckled again while looking at her with calculation. What now? She simultaneously pointed at the pants around his thighs with her left hand and his shirt with her right. All of that goes away. That can happen. But then an anxious look on Dan's face took her out of the moment again. What? I don't have any protection with me. That cooled her down a bit. She didn't either. She was generally very scrupulous about that, but had not planned to let things with Justin Brandt get that far. And coupling with Dan hadn't even been a notion until the last few minutes. Then, I guess some things won't be happening today. He nodded and smiled. But some will. He patted a spot on the mattress next to him. She got on the bed, knees first, crawled to the spot he indicated. His right arm crossed hers, activating a cluster of nerve endings which shot off signals to parts of her brain concerned with emotion, safety, time, reproduction, and sin, combining all those concepts into one sensual elixir. She closed her eyes, smiled hungrily, and bit her lip. She gripped him tightly, and everything else in the world receded. A pool of heedless bliss she desired for days, without fully realizing it, opened up in front of her and she dove into it. Vanessa Dorn, 
4.37 p.m. In a dream, said Vanessa pointedly, quite a bit later, you saw my sister talking to Frank in a literal dream. Vanessa's tone was disbelieving. She'd stopped trying to sound non-judgmental, but she hoped the context was reassuring enough. She was lying down diagonally on the bed, the foot of one elevated bare leg probing the peeling white wall, the other leg crossed over it. Her head rested on Dan's bare stomach. He was on his back at a complimentary diagonal. Yeah, she thought, he should find this plenty nice. Crazy, but true, Dan said, sounding not at all threatened by her tone and gently running his fingers through her long hair. That's why it hit me so hard when you told me about hearing it. Up to that moment, I thought it was, I don't know, my subconscious giving me insights somehow by correlating information and personalities. But the way it lined up with what you said, that meant it was just magic. Vanessa nodded, enjoying the feeling of his shallow belly adjusting under her head as she did. And you said there were other dreams? Lots. It seems like every time I close my eyes, they get stronger. I can't even say the last time I had a normal sleep, let alone a dreamless one. And they're all about the family? Uh, unknown. Some of them go way back into prehistory or maybe another planet, so maybe? Our family could still be involved if the Lichers are part of some ancient immortality cult, like your friend said. Uh, what was her name again? Abby Strauss. As long as we keep saying her name, she thought, some part of her is still alive. Wait. Abby? Yeah, she responded, a little defensive. I asked you before. Really? Wow. Well, I've definitely seen an Abby. I guess it didn't click before for some reason. I was probably distracting you. She reached back blindly for the hand that was playing with her hair and gave it a squeeze. The important thing is that you remember now. Where do you know her from? That's the thing. It was another dream. Oh, jeez. That boyfriend you mentioned. Was he black? Yeah, you saw him too? I was him, I think. I was with her. First I was driving the car, headed for... I guess it must have been her dad's building. Then going up the elevator and meeting her dad. Abby was mad at her dad and had something to talk to him about. I was backing her up but trying to be respectful, although he was not reciprocating. Huh. Can you describe the building? He did so in some detail. The edifice, the elevator, and the living room. That's the Strauss place, all right. She shook her head as his description stirred up old memories. And you hadn't seen it on the news? Not that I know of. I think I heard something about the murders, but I didn't see an article or anything. I don't think I'd seen or heard her name awake until you mentioned it. This was too much to just hear. Vanessa had to look at him as he said those impossible, potentially miraculously useful things. She folded her legs, planted her hands on the bed, pushed away from him, turned around and sat against the wall, her arms around her knees and the cheap paint scratchy against her bare back in a not unpleasant way. Dan turned on his side to face her, his bent upper leg covering his briefly exposed crotch. Unbelievable. Right? I believe every word you say, and I intend to continue. Go on. His eyes looked relieved, but still nervous. That's all I can remember clearly. There was some flash later, and 
Yeah. They were dying. You say she died Friday afternoon? Uh-huh. Sometime after 4 p.m. Then the police were there a little after 5. Then the dream can't have been from the news. Mom called about 4.30 and woke me up. The shock in his eyes became self-reproachful. I was watching their final moments. But I had no idea they were in trouble, so I didn't do anything about it. Vanessa released her knees, let her legs straighten, and rolled over to him so they could embrace side by side. They kissed softly, and then she put his head on her shoulder so she wouldn't have to look him in the face, as she said. You didn't even know they were real. It was just a dream you had. I knew who they were and what they were trying to do, and I still didn't do anything. I just didn't want to get involved. He squeezed her, and she him. Then he pulled back, watching her with his soulful eyes, and kissed her again. She returned it warmly. She was grateful for the comfort, and hopeful for a real connection, and full of affection on the physical level, but her behavior with Abby still weighed her down. When he pulled back again and looked at her more intently, she looked down at the bed. Well, if you're going all in on believing me, maybe you can also start believing in yourself. Yeah, you heard an impossible story and didn't believe it. But since then, you've shown more gumption in tracking it down than anyone would. Just stop. I promise to stop beating myself up, but don't compliment me. I can't take it. He craned his head forward and kissed the top of hers. Then he said simply, It's a deal. Another kiss, this one on her forehead. Then he backed off a little and said, more lightly, So, okay. We've got more evidence that the dreams are real, and they can show what happened right that moment, or any time before. She stopped stewing and looked back up to him, her brain engaged. Dan's dreams opened endless possibilities, but she was determined to figure out what the rules were. And you said that you were Harrison in the dream? Yeah, I guess so. I was seeing from his point of view, and I was also kind of half-thinking as him. It was like being both an actor and a character. In the dream, I knew Abby, and I knew that I should not know you or Brenda, uh, my ex. It was completely different from when I dream about you. You dream about me? Not generally. Not for a long time. But you've crept back in lately. This brought up such a tangle of feelings that she resolved to save the subject for later. And in the dream about Julia, who were you? Dan looked off into space. I... I must have been Frank. He seemed so far away that Vanessa leaned towards him and kissed him on the chest. He put an arm around her head and held it. You're here with me, she said. Thank you. It's just... I think I've been running away from the idea of being connected to Frank. I had a dream about you and me making out at the funeral. Well, I, I used to have that one a lot. He didn't look at her as he said this. She understood the instinct. This last one was a lot clearer than the old ones, but detached. Completely visual and oral with no touch. I think I was seeing it from his point of view. Wow. <laughs> we haven't talked about that day. We haven't talked about a lot of things. Yeah, true, and we should, but let's stay on this. Have you had dreams from his point of view before? I don't think so. Not that I remember. I had 
a lot of bad dreams after my dad died, but they seemed to fade away. I can't remember any details. I never told you how sorry I was about your dad. I, I think I got the message. He said with a nervous smile. There was that crinkle by his eye again. Vanessa leaned in and kissed it, thankful that he was hers for the day. Then she rolled onto her back, looked at the ceiling, and asked, Can you say when the first dream from Frank's point of view would have been? The first you remember. Dan frowned. It might have been late that night, Friday night. I had the second Harrison and Abby dream. Then I had a brief glimpse of them on the train. Went to the bar, came back, collapsed. Had this dream that started prehistoric and ended with you and me making out. And then when I woke up, it was early Saturday morning. Vanessa returned the frown. And did you have another Harrison dream after that? No. I don't think I did. Just one about me and Brenda, which became about you and me and Frank. But that felt more like a dream dream, not a vision dream. A stream of consciousness. But still about the family, I guess. Vanessa swallowed. So... The Harrison dreams stopped after Harrison died, and the Frank dreams started. Yeah. Why would that be? I don't know. And you don't think you ever had a Harrison dream before the one where they were driving to the building? I don't know. Not that I can recall clearly. It was like one of those dreams where you feel like it's continuing a story you've dreamed a hundred times before, but then when you wake up, you think... Maybe that feeling was just part of the dream. I honestly can't say if I'd been him before or if it was just deja vu. Hmm. Well then, one way or another, there must be a reason you dreamed you were him for the first time. Or that you started remembering it. And that you switched over to Frank. Well, looking at it that way, I guess I switched over to Frank because Harrison died. Like, Frank inherited something. Vanessa's mouth went dry inherited something. You said Dad and Frank set up a trust fund for you and me? Yeah, but I don't see how that tracks. I don't either, but walk me through it. Dan took a breath. Your dad set aside a bunch of money. If he's cured, the logicians get it. If not, I get it in stages, unless I break one of the rules. In which case you get it. Vanessa shook her head. Then I guess maybe there's no connection. Except that no matter what, the money goes to us on the Lutcher side of things. You, me, or Frank's people. And not to Sandra and the Sibs. Yeah, and there's even a clause that if you and I have a baby, the money doubles and we split it. Vanessa's stomach gave a heave. The combination of instincts which generally kept cousins from engaging in sexual relations with each other had been in abeyance that day, but the thought of actually having a child with Dan woke it up. Her mouth tasted metallic. Dan, looking at the wall rather than her, heedlessly kept talking. Frank made a joke about it, if you can believe that. Her stomach felt so fragile that she didn't want to breathe, but she had to stop him from talking. Oh shit, I think I may be sick. Dan stopped at once and reached towards her. She shrunk away from him, and he anxiously backed off. She got up out of bed, one hand futilely covering herself. Sorry, I'll be back in a sec. She picked her panties and shirt off the floor and entered the bathroom. She turned on the light, which automatically activated a loud fan. No problem. 
he said, though she could barely parse his words over the fan and the blood rushing in her head. She straightened her arm and closed the door, trying to make it gentle rather than a slam, but lacking motor control. She hovered over the toilet for a few moments, but nothing was coming. She looked up and saw herself, nude, in the mirror above the sink and couldn't bear the sight. She slipped on the shirt, fastened the middle buttons, and sat down to piss rather desultorily. She'd already done so once, right after their... What? Not exactly lovemaking? Not exactly fucking? Not exactly making out? Fooling around? That seemed too whimsical. She'd call it their collision, for the moment. Whatever it was, the time had come to figure it out. She finished using the toilet, wiped, flushed, washed, and walked back into the main room. Dan, perhaps having noted what she took with her, had put on his boxer briefs and shirt, which he was wearing unbuttoned. Sitting on the bed with his back against the wall, a shadow across his face, his chest half-covered and half-exposed, looking carefully neutral about where things went from there, he had a mysterious sexiness she hadn't registered before. Something grown up. Not at all part of her old memories of him. She found this comforting, but at the same time distrusted the comfort, along with all her other feelings. Vanessa put up a hand for emphasis, without knowing what her point was going to be, but she started talking nonetheless. Someone had to. I'm not going to say that this didn't happen, or ask you to pretend it didn't. These words came from her long-held determination to not be a trifler, and to not blame anyone else for her actions and desires. By the time she finished saying them, she'd thought the next words through. But I don't think what we did today fits into my life outside this room. He nodded. His eyes were sad but calm. Yeah. I'm not sure how I'd explain it to anyone. Mom would be horrified. Can't even picture telling her. Vanessa nodded back and made a small sniffle. But we're still in this together. We've still got a lot to talk about. Vanessa kept nodding. It was easier than speaking. And I guess, if we're going to talk about it, we should keep talking here. Should... Should I plan to spend the night? Vanessa's veins froze. There was something in her heart that she simply could not say. What do you want to do? I very much want to spend the night. <sighs> Thank God. I, I didn't want to encourage you, but I don't think I could have stayed here alone. Not now that... The words ran out. Her heart was too full of things to say for her to say any of them. He didn't speak either. She walked around so that she stood by his side of the bed and took his head in her hands. He let her place it cheek first, against the side of her stomach free of shirt buttons. She savored the contact, and then enhanced it by running her hand through his fuzzy hair. He began speaking, which sent vibrations from his skull into her belly. After all, if us only happens in this room, I want to stay here as long as possible. She stopped stroking his hair for a moment, pulled back her forefinger with her thumb, and flicked it as hard as she could at the back of his head. He said, Ow! but chuckled, sounding pleased with himself. The chuckles sent their own tremors through her. You really do ruin the moment, don't you? Mm-hmm. He said, nodding against her. I told you. Well, like I said, this moment doesn't get ruined. 
He looked up again, and she kissed down again. She could feel her drives starting back up, shifting her physical sensations and mental reactions. The drives were pulling her in more diverse directions this time. She was very conscious that this wasn't someone who would provide for her or increase her status, and she certainly didn't want the children he could give her. But she was also driven to seek comfort, affection, protection, and desire. To express approval for behaviors she valued, to seek a repeat of experiences that had felt good in the past, and to explore new interactions with those who earned her trust. These latter drives found a focus in Dan. And while there was another countervailing drive to avoid and devalue exploration with anyone she'd known well during her formative years, this new Dan she hardly knew wasn't triggering that. At the moment. In sum, the heat inside her didn't burn with the urgency she had felt earlier, but the steadily rising flame was nevertheless undeniable. She wanted to put her body next to his and feel them together, and show how much she liked him, and feel how much he liked her, so they could coexist, bonded and safe, within their shared space. And so, for a time, they did exactly that. You have been listening to Legacy Door, episode 2.3, Feeling. Stacy Tappan was Vanessa Dorn, Jamie Wren was Dan Lutcher, and that's it. The opening music was Ethereal Thoughts by Victor Wayne. The closing music is A Night of Nostalgia, appropriately enough, by Melancholic Bird. You can find both of their music on Toontank. The Legacy Door cover image is by Roxana and Ash. This episode's cover image is Couple Sitting on Bench During Daytime by Rob Martin. You can find more of his images on Unsplash. Well, we usually call this podcast a slightly abridged version of Legacy Door, but in this episode we went beyond just streamlighting to cutting stuff that didn't seem quite podcast appropriate, even with the explicit tag. You can get about four more minutes of Dan and Vanessa getting reacquainted in the novel or audiobook, although hopefully the most important parts about their encounter were clear enough to set the stage for our next episode, Vulnerability. If you enjoy Legacy Door, please review us in Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. You can also find us as Legacy Door Novel on Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon, and Facebook, or see the family trees, transcripts, and supplementary material at our website, LegacyDoor.wordpress.com. This is one of the fine podcasts presented by Dueling Genre Productions. Legacy Door is copyright 2021 by Bob J. Kester, all rights reserved. This is Bob J. Kester. Thanks for listening. Dueling Genre.